So allow me to ask this question. How many of you that listen to radio or a podcast, this radio show in particular, how many of you who claim to be Christians are totally addicted to bad news? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Woke up this morning, just make a phone. For somebody to tell me job I had is gone Nothing but bad news Nothing but bad news Everywhere I go And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder And I'm your host, Bob Bierman The reason I ask that question I have an interview coming up in just a moment With somebody, a number of you who've listened to me before know who it is. Had a very, very fascinating week, and I, I started thinking about something that maybe we should think about more often. I know that doing a program like Truth to Ponder, we have to deal with the news of this world. And I'm reminded of a song that came out somewhere in the 1980s. I remember it uh, fairly well. If you're my age or maybe even, even a little younger or older, you may have heard it. Don Henley had a song called Dirty Laundry. Everybody wants to watch the news for everybody else's troubles, problems, and and dirty laundry. I can remember in 1970-some-odd when I was in college, a little maxim came out that if it leads, it bleeds. In other words, news needed to have a certain level of sensationalism to be marketable. People wanted to hear about that tragic car wreck, a plane falling out of the sky, or some other horrible story. People would tune in at 11 for film to see it. Even in the Christian world at times, we are no better. There are two problems that I'm seeing, and I want to address them in these first moments of the program today. I know that it's part of the responsibility as a Christian, as somebody trying to give you truth to ponder, to make you aware of some of the things in the world that you may not know about or where you're being deceived. But how many of us, and I think there are many, probably way too many, there are a lot of programs out there today. Uh, Some are Christian-based. And they sensationalize the news I look, I know that I tease it a little bit. I get it. I try to be cautious not to be over-promising and under-delivering some bad news story. But I'm aware of a number of ministries that I've watched over the years, many, that really want to have the doom and gloom aspect hanging all over you. And to listen to their programs or watch them, depending if their television or video, for many people, can be extremely depressing. The one thing that I've learned in my life and my ministry is I don't have to scare anybody into the kingdom of heaven. It's not how it works. When you look at the book of Revelation or any prophetic book that talks about doom and gloom, that's not to terrify you. It's not to scare you. 
It's not to make you panic or or try to find a way to escape. It's to encourage you to know that God will get you through and that we are already overcomers and victorious, but too many Christians watching too many of these news programs, yes, we need to, yes, we need to be informed, but they're addicted to nothing but bad news. Does the good news of Jesus Christ live in you, or is that some abstract thought? I've been really praying a lot about the ministry and work that I do. And in a few minutes, I'll tell you a few things that are on my mind that are just exciting, I believe. This week, I had to go up to Vero Beach, not a, not far from where we live at, maybe in a half hour, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And I had two people I needed to see. It's past Thursday. One was a guy that's a clergyman, somebody that I know, somebody going through, shall we say, a change in ministry. And I'm trying to encourage him where I believe God is calling him, very talented young individual, and there's a definite need. And that's something I'm going to be getting into even more so in the days and weeks ahead. And I was trying to encourage him to go to the place that God is planning you. My wife and I, in talking this morning, thought about how Jesus sent out these disciples you know, about 70 or 72, two by two to go ahead of him to let people know that he was coming to their town. And those places that received these people, where their peace laid upon them, they stayed and ministered. Where it didn't, they kicked the dust off their shoes and moved on. And maybe we as Christians need to sometimes move on. If nobody's getting the message, you've given it, move on. Allow the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that even further. And I know for radio programs like mine and other people that I know doing video, trying to find that balance between giving you the truth and the reality of the world around us, uncompromised, fully truthful, can be a bit depressing. We need to find the good news in all of it. Now, a good friend of mine, and many of you remember him from another news program that was also video, he and I worked together for a time about five years ago, five and a half years ago now, hard to remember, and and that I moved on to other things in ministry, and he stayed behind and, and grew in that ministry to this new work that God has led him, and he has a co-host who he also worked with at the same ministry, Lauren Witzke, and the two of them are putting together what'll be a daily news roundup type program, but with the encouraging good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I had a chance to to drop by their facility on Thursday, and they have a tremendous space that needs to be filled, and we just had a little discussion about their new program, what God has called them to do, and how are we going to help each other in this unique time? I believe God is giving us a window. There really is some good news, and I'll share more of that after you listen to my time with Edward Zoll and Lauren Witzke and, and their new program, their new program that just was released this past week. Uh, the program is called Crosstalk News. And I asked Edward as we started, I said, now that you got you got that first episode behind you, 
How did you feel? Relieved. <laughs> I think I think I'll speak for both of us. I'll say relieved, but also incredibly excited. I was almost a little bit paralyzed by excitement because it's just, it was so it, building up last two months to this. It was kind of surreal that we finally actually done it. We'd gotten it recorded, we'd gotten it published, and and a blessing was we got it published through Poplis Press, who's about to become the brand new Drudge Report. I mean, the Lord has really blessed us with distribution and with, I think, content at Omicron, whatever they want to call this crazy variant, I know that the Lord was injecting his spirit into our work here. With you, when you saw the results of the first broadcast, what was your what was your feeling? Right. So always before when I did media interviews or did shows, I was always working for somebody else. This was actually something it was a I felt achieved. I feel like we both felt really achieved because it was something we built from the ground up on our own. Um, it was all ours. It doesn't belong to anybody else. Edward busted his rear end to make this a reality. Um, and being able to be a part of that, um, you know, as a young person, like people don't realize like we have to build, we have to come together and we have to start building our own stuff because we can't depend on, um, you know, other people to do it for us. And I really felt really accomplished after we completed our first show. It was a good feeling to have. When you think about where God is leading your ministry, and that's what it really is. It is a ministry. You're giving information. You're giving news. You're giving something tangible in a world full of deception. Do you feel we need a lot more of that in uh, social media, a lot more of it in conventional and legacy media? Uh, I think absolutely. The one train of thought would be that um, we've gotten enough news. We've gotten enough information We've been poisoned enough and, and turned against our, our family, loved ones enough. But that's the thing about it is that what we're getting right now is not really news. What we're being delivered from the Marxist media operations in the country are, is propaganda. It's, uh, it's, it's a, you know, an agenda-based journalism is not really journalism. What we need is more truth. We need a little bit more honesty. We need, uh, uh, we need people that are coming to work not to, uh, to take an epic selfie with a politician, but um, to ask the questions that the average person wishes they could ask of a politician, a figure in a story, or again, uh, someone who's, who's providing testimony. Because that's really the role we play, not just as journalists, but as ambassadors uh, in, in media for Christ, is that we are sometimes the only people that get to talk to a, a gunshot victim, a, a doctor who's taking a stand against tyranny, or a politician who's trying to run for office, hopefully for the right reason. And, and I think often... Uh, the media industry squanders those opportunities and tries to swindle it for the devil. Lauren, as you look at how God has steered your career, you've gone through some turbulent times of recent months, but I think God's hand was in this to move you to the place you are today. The time had come, and the time had come to break away, and I believe the time has come for those who truly love him and want to serve him to serve him in their best and most fullest capacity. Has this been a liberating experience to be able to be the journalist you believe God has called you to be? Yeah, well, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, I've had some really high, like, times in my life, and I've had some really deep, dark lows. You know, I struggled with addiction. Um, I overcame addiction. And, you know, one thing I have learned is that I can always depend on God. Yes, I moved to Florida from the tiny state of Delaware up north, um, picked up my life and moved here for another job, which I was actually um, terminated from 
uh, for something that wasn't my fault. And, you know, you're sitting there, you're like, why God? But, you know, one question, like I felt like God told me is like, have I ever let you down? You know what I'm saying? And it was more so like I transitioned from disappointment to excitement because I'm like, okay, you know, because I would have never left the other place had I not been forced out. You know what I'm saying? I would have sat there. I would have stayed there. I would have endured, um, you know, just kind of doing the the other thing, the other plans that God didn't have for me. So yeah. when that door slammed, um, I just waited on the Lord. And I was like, all right, God, what is your plan next? And this just happened, you know, it was just, I mean, it took work and we built it. Um, but also, you know, it, he had far greater plans than I could have ever expected. Do you believe in your ministry? And I, I call it that because that's what it is we're called to be servants of God. And you made a statement that is fascinating, and I think this will mean something, I'm sure, to some listener out there even today. You had a certain level of security where you worked at before, a certain level of a, shall we say, a regular paycheck that somebody else worried about putting together for you, and it made your life a lot easier having, in essence, knowing what's gonna come in the front door to meet your needs. Now you're suddenly finding yourself in the entrepreneurial position of serving Christ as a minister of his gospel, in, in essence, in media. But now you're having to be dependent upon him and his people more than you ever have been before. Has that been a scary transition for you? Well, you know, with every experience of working under people, I've learned what not to do. Not like I've learned how to not treat your employees, how to uh, take care of your employees, how to build a family environment. Um, so everything that I have experienced and walked through terminations, uh, displacement in the workforce, you know, that kind of thing kind of all prepared me for this moment. Now that Edward and I are in this position, we know how to treat employees. We know what we're looking for. We're looking for the people that have been fired, the people have, that have been persecuted, the people that feel like they've been oppressed um, and left behind. And we are able to provide a safe, uh, family-friendly work environment for these people so we can grow. And that is how you succeed. You know, you build a community. Uh, right now, we know more than ever that, you know, there is another side that wants to take us out and we have strength in numbers. There's an, uh, there's the other side that has been trying to divide us. Even still, like even on our own side, uh, there's people that uh, seek to divide. But here we really, we know how to build unity. Mm -hmm. We know how to build community and we know how to build a family-friendly environment. Edward, one of the things that I noticed in watching your first broadcast that stood out to me, in spite of the news of our world today being oftentimes negative, both of you had a radiance of positivity about you. In other words, being overcomers mm -hmm. of this bad news in the world, and it came through. And I, I was just so impressed that for the first time, it was not and, and, and there, face it, there are some even Christian programs that rely on the fear. We need you to be in fear and now support us in fear. And, and nowhere did I sense the fear aspect on Crosstalk News. You didn't bring us to a point of fear. You brought us to a point of hope. Mission accomplished that, I, you know. I, I think that one of the big lessons I learned um, going from the last chapter of my life to now was that we can't lose joy in our life. And we, we just found this verse today. We, we try to open each day up with a Bible study. We were reading from uh, Nehemiah, actually, today, chapter 8, uh, verse 10. It says, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'd never seen that before. 
I mean, we're still young. I, I, I think I've read through the majority of the Bible now, but still you read it and there's like contemplating it and meditating on the word. When I found this today, I said, my goodness, the strength, the strength is the, we have, to, we have to actually have joy in our life and joy of the Lord. And that is actually the strength we'll use to actually beat the devils of this world, the wiles of the, of, of the devil. You know, you have to look at this right now. There are so many people trying to take our attention. They're trying to take our souls. They're trying to hurt us. They're trying to uh, divide us. But one of the instant antidotes, one of the vaccines against that is to rest in the Lord and keep your joy. And, and with our joy, Bob, I think we can overcome anything. I can remember, I'm not going to say how many years ago, but I can remember decades ago, if you were to be at some Christian camp, there'd be a chorus, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Did you sing that, Lord? And, and we would sing. <laughs> I'm new. I'm a new Christian, okay? <laughs> so I can remember hearing people sing that particular song. How's it go? And the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's a good you know? song, okay. And so I'm thinking back as you're talking, and I'm looking at other ministries that I've seen in the past, I'm in, whether they're television, whether they're radio, doesn't matter. And I'm not trying to be critical, but they're so into the bad news, sure. they're forgetting to share the good news in a very positive way that we should, as Christians, we're the last ones to be living in any fear of, of viruses or anything else. Yet some of those Christians are the one that are desperately in fear, wanting information to stay one step ahead. Well, they're, they're so busy being watchmen that they've smothered hope. They forgot the hope of Christ. And, and it's, it's a double message. You have to have both. It's okay to warn people of, of the calamities to come. We know that there are, are countless prophecies in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, that warn of uh, the wars, the pestilences, the division, the, the, the calamities that we would experience and have to endure through until Jesus Christ returns. But the other parts of that too is that what gets us through it how we're able to endure until the end is that we keep joy and hope alive. Because who is going to want to become a brother and sister in Christ if all we're doing is screaming with anger, screaming with despair into the microphones, into the, the television cameras? What are we sharing with them if we're not sharing the joy and hope of Jesus Christ? We're sharing depression of the world is all we're doing then. No, I think you're absolutely right. The depression is something I saw daily in our industry. It, I would see so many people that are going through divorces, so many people that um, have, have had terrible weight gain, uh, going through uh, plenty of health issues, and then their spirit itself. They have this aura of despair around them. And, and I know that um, we're, we're not going to rehash the past, but I, I, I will say this. One of the deciding factors for me, Lauren, I, I've told this to you, the moment I knew that I, something was wrong and something I had to shift, something I had to, which really led us to this point, starting our own show, was the day you came to me and told me about, like, you feel like you're being blackpilled. Like, you said to me, like, oh, yeah. what? I said, well, it was like I was, we, so we worked in news before, but it was like every day, like, I wanted to kill myself. I kid so, you not. Yeah. Like, it was it was so dark. I was like, wow, there is no hope. But also, I've re recognized something with the modern-day media, where the modern-day media puts out doomsday clickbait. Mm. So you're, like, holy crap with information and terrible information that you have to see right now. Um, but also, like, you know, they use the clickbait to draw people in and bring them into despair. 
you know, and like we as a society are deteriorating as a society because we're falling into despair. And that's not the way it should be. You know, we are, um, there's so much hope um, in Jesus Christ. You know, if Jesus Christ can pull me a drug addict and place me in the place that I am today, that's all him. You know, there is like infinite hope for anybody else. Infinite hope. The word hope is the one word we don't get from television anymore. And even 40 years ago, the, we would learn in college, when I, when I studied journalism in college, they had, the, the term was, if it bleeds, it leads. If it's, if it's bad news, it's the first story. We always put the happy story at the end when people may have tuned away, just to kind of close the newscast. It is all about ratings. It is all about hype. It is all about marketing. What can you say is different about crosstalk news versus other news sources, even those that would consider themselves to be Christian-leaning? What sets you apart? What do you think is well, the difference? The first thing is that if it bleeds, it leads. I would, I would amend that statement for us. Jesus bled, so pay attention to what he said. I think honestly, the the media they've completely lost track of where they're going, and that's not even that the side we surely should be holding accountable. We should be holding Christians in media accountable because they're the ones who should have always kept joy, hope, and truth alive. But the difference for us is that look, you and I, we know we could go out and do anything. We become uh, agents. We could, in in the sense of like, we could be booking agents. We could. Um, we could go into different injuries. We could be salesmen. We could do anything. I mean, the, we're only, what, in the 30s? I mean, we, we have entire life ahead of us. But we're doing this because, one, we recognize the need for it in society. I mean, this country may not, uh, may not continue if, if we continue to have a society built on, on such hollow ground, uh, the sand of deception and all these other things that have come with the pandemic and, and the Biden administration. We realize this is a calling but it's also a duty. And I don't, I don't want to speak just for myself, but you agree, Lauren? Or? Yeah, absolutely, I do. And, you know, there are a lot of people um, who are walking through some of the darkest times in their lives. Mm. You know, they don't need a clickbait doomsday. They don't need that. Um, you know, it's not good for us. It's not good for our souls. So, you know, I like to think we're pretty funny too. And I think America could laugh. Can I tell the story of how Edward almost killed somebody at Thanksgiving? Well, anyway, so you'll get to hear this on the show. You'll get to hear about this on the show. Well, Edward tried to bake this Thanksgiving and, uh, he thought it was gluten-free. It was a Victorian sponge cake. Victorian is that right? Sponge. Yeah. And well, it turns out it wasn't gluten-free. Gluten-free lady at the Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> It's actually our, our production manager's wife. And I, I feel terrible. I, I apologize to him and his wife profusely, but... Uh, he wasn't sorry. He did it on purpose. Oh, my goodness. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was delicious. I mean, that's the thing, is maybe that there's a metaphor in there somewhere. See, what I meant for good, it had one bad ingredient in it, and it almost killed somebody, okay? That's why it's so important to make sure what we're doing is pure, because all it takes is, is, is one bad ingredient or one piece of, of something terrible in a pool, and the whole thing's going to be cleared out because you can't swim in it. You can't eat it. And I think, though we're not perfect, uh, look, Christ redeemed me, and I'm working every single day on sanctification. Not perfect. But, you know, we have to at least try toward it. Right. right? If we're not even trying toward it, what do we get? We get an entire poisonous media infrastructure that's leaving, uh, I think, the, the public, regardless if they've gotten a booster shot, it's leaving their heart rate through the roof where they may have a heart attack based on what they're, they're dealing with right now. Well, when I look at 
this ministry that you're starting. And let's go back two months, maybe a little longer. Let's go back to like September when everything in your world was changed mm. in a short amount of time. The same for you, Lauren, that your, your, your whole world changed. God has bought you the people that you need in your support staff. You're, you're, it's coming together one little piece at a time. Uh, coming into your studio today, when I visited here not that many weeks ago, you were still trying to figure out what kind of camera to use. And, and now I see three wonderful cameras in there. And, and, you know, so God, and I see the lighting and I see what you have. The need is being met uh, on a daily basis, I believe, in, in your ministry. Where do you think, without being, and we always have to be careful on this. We always want to think we're going to have the biggest and best ministry. But where do you think God is leading you same with you, Lauren, with this location you're in and what you can do for his kingdom in media, whether it be video, audio, or other. What, 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 do, you, what do you feel God is trying to put together here in this place? I, I think the Lord is definitely creating uh, an ark and he's creating an environment where uh, Christians can uh, prosper in media, they can produce the content, they can send out information, and they can do it during storms. Not, not just the storms you get here in Florida, but I'm talking about the storms that society is facing. I think that this is, is a safe space for sanity. This is a, a, a property that I think we're going to be in for quite some time. But the primary mission here is to uh, revive grace and hope uh, in the conservative movement. And this is going to be the arc for the launch for it. Lauren, as you look back now, we'll just go back to September and you see where you are today. Can you actually believe how far things have come and that your first program is already out and others are following right behind it? Um, yeah, well, you know, it, it was kind of fast, I guess, looking back, like we've been super busy um, trying to, you know, find the right place, but God ended up providing us with the perfect place for options and they just didn't work out and we couldn't figure out why it wasn't working out. And then all of a sudden, you know, we were given an opportunity to kind of create a hub big enough to expand for other Christian conservative content creators as well. Um, other businesses to come join us as well. We built, we're building basically a fortress, you know, I'm watching as, you know, like, okay, so for example, like I want to be the next TBN. I want to be the next TBN where we host other people, but I've watched as other companies, Christian networks have um, placated the enemy. They've given a platform to pastors who will uh, make excuses for gay marriage or transgenderism in our schools. Uh, a lot, like, you know, saying, oh, we have to be inclusive, you know, it, but also there are networks that are giving a platform to these people. Young people like me need strong leadership. We need strong faith, faith leaders and I will say that a lot of our faith leaders have let us down, but also networks have given a platform to these people to make them as powerful as possible. They're well-funded, they have six private jets, but they're also telling you how to live your life and that gay marriage is okay, that you need to go out and uh, this vaccine is better than Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, that is what they are saying. Well, and like young Governor Hochul says, you know, God created the vaccine, now take it because Jesus said so. Exactly, and I'm watching as Christian networks are giving these people a platform and they're lying. They are blatantly lying. You know, and Edward had mentioned, you know, about one bad ingredient. You know, now that he is in charge, we get to pick and choose 
what bad, like we get to keep bad ingredients out. Uh, We get to pick and choose, you know, uh, we get to use discernment. You know, it's not about money. It's about messaging. It really is. And, you know, we're young people and, you know, everybody's all about rising up the younger generation, but are they ready to pass on the torch? We don't know. However, I will say that a lot of faith leaders in the movement, the big names have let us down. So we're ready to rise up and start building something better and something for the next generation to get involved in as well. When you look at the calling, and that's what it is, and I, I just keep saying that, and I want anybody listening to me as I, as I talk to Edward and Lauren, this is a calling. I look at my age. I mean, I'm, if God should tarry another 10 years, I'm going to be retired out. And uh, I mean, I'll be out of this business because I'll be well into my 70s, and I'm not going to ride on my ego till I'm 90 years of age or 85 being on television or radio just because I can. I, I know that the torch at some point, and I try to stress this to people I know and work with in ministry, there comes a point you must let go and you must pass it on. And I really believe that in your case, a mantle has been legitimately passed on um, and those that were holding you back don't even recognize it yet. Uh, this, is, this is my personal feeling. And I think your, your idea and the one thing that stands out of using this location as a place to, in essence, foster other ministries to grow and work together in unity, each having their own piece of the puzzle, uh, different than each other in a non-competitive environment is the one thing we do not see in most Christian organizations. They become single-minded that they are the platform. They are the answer. They are God's only chosen. And I think that has been, that has diminished the cause of Christian communications. Honestly, we've forgotten that our only competitor is the devil. You know, the first thing that I think he's convinced of, uh, not just our industry, but let's say the uh, Christians and the leadership and the organizations in general is that we're all competing against each other for viewership. We're all competing against each other uh, for money, for support, for views. It's a ridiculous mindset because what we're actually, I wouldn't say competing, but what we're striving toward, what we're fighting for is is the opportunities to share the gospel. There's there's a countless number of people who haven't heard the gospel, who need to be ministered to, who are going through uh, some uh, sort of crazy uh, scenario in their lives that they're looking, they're searching, and they're 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 praying for the, the hope and, and the ambassadors of, of peace to, to show up. And half the time we're too busy fighting each other. But, uh, you know, Lauren mentioned uh, a lot of the, the role that pastors have played during the pandemic. I think that the, uh, the, the notion that a pastor should advocate for vaccination, uh, all they're doing is becoming a pie piper for perdition. The, what they should have been advocating for is uh, for the churches to remain open, uh, for uh, prayer for the leaders of the country, because obviously we have to pray for them, but never to be um, to be foot soldiers alongside them. Uh, but for me, Bob, I, I think my mission is clear, and it is that um, I'm a member of the Church of Vero Beach in the Church of Florida in the Church of the United States. I don't have a denomination. I, I don't have a, a specific uh, you know doctrine agenda other than uh, the Holy Bible and my King Jesus Christ. And what my King is telling me is that it's time to advance the gospel in all the land to all that will hear it, and we're going to do that through media. I couldn't agree any more with Edward and what he just said. We're going to use media. We're going to use technology. We're going to use everything we can 
to get this urgent message of the gospel out. And it's good news. We have to stop dwelling on the bad news. We don't need just the bad headlines. Sure, there's a lot of bad things going on in the world today, but does that mean you have to live in fear? And I think too many too many ministries lately, maybe sometimes without realizing it, are playing on your fear. They're playing on your fear. That's what the propagandists try to do to get you to do certain things. They play on your fear. They make you afraid of a virus. They make you afraid of other people. They make teachers afraid of children. And they use that division to control you. And instead of worrying about all the negative things, how about looking at the positive things that Jesus Christ can do? I shared a story. came out of World War II. Some Eastern Orthodox monks that were in an area of like Czechoslovakia and the Germans were coming, and they knew the Germans would probably kill them. And they felt very led of the Lord to pick up, and they moved to a cave not far from their monastery. They didn't even know the cave was there. They were just out looking for a place to, to start their journey to leave. And, and one of them discovered this, this cave that was dry, and it was not cold, not hot, just right. And they had all their sacred books and writings with them. And they moved it. They, they stopped at this cave. And it appeared that God provided everything they needed for the next year and a half until the Nazis left their, their monastery. See, God had already provided a way to take care of them. And too many Christians today are dwelling on the bad news, trying to you know, stock up on prepper supplies Sure, we should be prepared, but not to the point of being insane. This is my concern. Too many of us have gone too far in trying to beat the system. What does the Bible say? We are in this world, but not of it. But too many people are lacking, are acting, even those that claim the name of Christ, like they're, you know, we got to protect this old world now. This world is beautiful place because God created it, but it's been distorted by the sin that inhabits it, and there'll be a new heaven, a new earth. And instead of trying, the former things will be passed away. So we we have a, a kingdom home and a kingdom obligation if we follow Christ, and living in fear and negativity is not one of them. Putting on TV shows that tell you how depressed you need to be, what medication you need to get from some pharmaceutical company is not helping the cause of Christ. In fact, it, it can be used to diminish the message of the gospel. Maybe it's time you stop watching some of that negative television, the negative news, the CNNs, the liars. Sure, there's some bad news out there we have to share. But I'm going to make a promise to you moving forward as we continue this program. God laid this call to do it, and I'm going to talk about the news, but I'm going to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ more and more and, and really make that the balance point. And you'll be hearing more from Edward Zoll. Trust me, there's a lot in the background. We'll talk about that soon. If you believe in what we're trying to do here, would you consider your financial support to keep paying for the airtime? Our mailing address, if you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, is Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, 5753 Highway 85 North, 
number 3248. We are in Crestview, Crestview, Florida, 32536. Once again, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. By the way, you can also send me a direct email. Let me know how you're listening. It means a lot to me. I'm not going to put you on a mailing list, but that address is Bob at truth2ponder.com. Bob at truth2ponder.com. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The deepest part of the mystery of Hanukkah. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now, Hanukkah is first and foremost about the temple of God. You see, the temple of Jerusalem was to be built to house the living God, to be the dwelling place of God's presence, to be a place of peace and worship and joy and light and prayer and beauty and purity. But 2,000 years ago, the temple was taken over by godless pagan foreigners who defiled it and desecrated it. They filled its courts with perversions and orgies. They put out the light of its holy place. They set up an idol in the Holy of Holies, the heart of the temple, the place reserved for God's presence. And so for years, the temple of God sat there defiled and dark and cold and desecrated and pagan and without purpose. But by a miracle, the temple was taken back. Its idols were removed and destroyed. Its courts were cleansed. And with prayer and repentance, it was rededicated to God with the lighting of its sacred lights. And so every year, the Jewish people celebrate the restoration of the temple by lighting the lights of Hanukkah. What does Hanukkah mean? It's Hebrew for dedication. It's the Feast of Dedication. What does it have to do with you? Everything. You see, the Bible says you're the temple of God. You were created to be a dwelling place for the living God. Your life was to be a place of peace and light and joy and beauty. And you were to have in your heart God's very presence. But too often we let idols come in and the light goes out and our life becomes dark and empty and without peace or purpose and without joy. But God wants to cleanse you and make you new and take out the junk and give light to your life. He wants to fill your heart with his presence and give your life purpose and joy and peace and beauty. That's what Hanukkah is all about, the dedication of God's temple. You so dedicate the temple. Open your doors to his spirit. Open your heart. Let him come in and live a life of joy. Happy Hanukkah. Want more? Ask for Hanukkah. Now the free gift for you. The most incredible evidence and proof of Jesus as the Messiah. The mystery of the temple doors plus sapphire is guaranteed to give you the power of living a victorious life in God. All free. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. It's so easy. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. But call now. 1-800-YES. S-H-U-A-1. Now, my friend, you're on this earth for a great purpose, to be a blessing. So I invite you to join with me in bringing the greatest blessing to the unreached peoples of this world. Salvation to five continents with over a billion people. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy at box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. It's box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Adon Olam, the Lord of all. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Well, as many of you may know, this weekend is the second weekend in the season of Advent. In other words, this countdown, this countdown to Christmas. 
I would like to invite some of you looking for some sacred Christmas music. It's getting hard to find. You put on the radio right now, and all I ever hear is Wham! song, Last Christmas, or All I Need for Christmas is You, ad nauseum, along with occasionally a holly jolly Christmas. The secular world doesn't get it. Oh, they can deal with the babe in Bethlehem, but they can't they can't deal with the coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, and the fact that he is ruler. And they're not. And so, if you're looking for some sacred Christmas music for the background, if you have a computer and you have the data, go to ancientwordradio.com, ancientwordradio.com. Each week as we get closer to Christmas, there'll be more Advent and Christmas music mixed in. And hopefully this can can be an encouragement for you and your walk with Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, it's the second Sunday in Advent. And I want to share with you the idea that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's coming again. One of the old Advent hymns is called Wake, Awake, for Night is Flying. The watchman on the night is crying, Awake, Jerusalem, arise. We are in the advent now of his second coming. And the world is going to be very much surprised, but we as Christians should be very much encouraged. I want to share with you a message I preached about four or five years ago on that very topic of, of Jesus' second coming. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Music has always been a part of my life since my early, earliest childhood memories. I may have shared this before. My wife now knows that when I was a little guy, I was a boy soprano. And I used to sing a lot in choirs. And I remember the hymn we just sang. Now, depending upon how you translate the German for that particular hymn, it's a great Lutheran hymn, can't you tell? It's, the words can be translated a little bit differently. And I'm always reminded of being in a choir practice in the first time I was now in the men and boys choir. This was really an honor. And we were practicing this as an anthem, this particular hymn we just sang. And the words were translated on that first verse a little differently. Instead of the bridegroom will appear, um, it was the bridegroom is at hand. A lot of people will translate it that way. And I can remember we're singing this thing, we're practicing it at Trinity Lutheran. And we're in the basement of that church, our voices rising. And I can remember the sound of that piano going, Bram! and the chip bone, the choir master goes, the words are not the bridegroom is a ham, the bridegroom is at hand. Now, from the top. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Singing in that choir. Like I say, music has been a huge part of my life. As a, like I say, as a youngster, I was exposed to a lot of the classics, the great hymns of the church. And so I understood the term overture. I understand the term crescendo. 
And here we are in this season of Advent, and I can't help but think that Advent in so many ways is an overture to a great symphony, to a great masterpiece. Because, see, an overture, if you didn't know, contains a lot of the elements of what you're about to hear. Even the sound of music, remember that movie? The overture at the beginning, you're hearing bits and pieces of some of the music you're about to hear in the show. Any great Broadway show will have an overture. You're getting a little sample of what you're going to be hearing. Even the rock opera Tommy back in the 1970s had an overture and you could hear the bits and pieces of foreshadowing of what you're about to partake in. The season of Advent is a great overture. It gives us bits and pieces of something great yet to come for us to hear. But most of you probably assume I'm telling you it's a prelude to Christmas. No, it isn't. It's the prelude to a whole lot more. Christmas is just one step of the way. It's just the beginning of the first act. If you look at the readings today in our epistle, in our gospel, we are seeing a foreshadowing of the things yet to come. Here we are in Advent, and our mindset is we're preparing ourselves for Christmas. But we're preparing ourselves for so much more. In the ancient church, I mean the first 100, 200 years, Christmas was not really celebrated as we think of it today. It was kind of an afterthought. They accepted the fact that Christ was born. They understood that. And they hadn't even developed the church calendar as we understand it today to help those that are coming into, into the faith learn about the faith. It's much later that the arbitrary date of December the 21st is applied because it just kind of coincided with a former holiday. You know, there are those that will tell you that Jesus was born in September, maybe April. I mean, there's some division on that, but it doesn't matter. The fact that he was born, it does matter. If you were to go back 200 years ago in this nation, whether in England, whether in Rome, the celebration of Christmas as we have it today was nowhere near as elaborate. It was basically a one-day event that led into a 12-day celebration taking you into what was really important in their eyes, the 12th day of Christmas, which is Epiphany. God manifesting himself to the Gentiles. The fact of his birth was just that. Of He was born of the Virgin Mary. We say it in the creed. And they didn't make a big deal of it because it was just the opening of the first act. Advent to us is that overture, and we are seeing the bits and pieces of his ministry and his coming a second time to reclaim his church. we really should be looking forward to the grand finale, the ultimate crescendo. And what is that? Easter. Easter. 
Advent really is getting us from point A to that point where we as the redeemed church have now been empowered. The world loves Christmas because it talks about a baby and nice, happy thoughts. And even though the world is pulling away from the babe in Bethlehem and making more room for Frosty the Snowman, instead, or anything else besides the Messiah, it's always been easy to talk about the babe in Bethlehem because the babe is innocent. He makes no requirement of you. He's just a gift. What does Jesus say, that little babe, as he grows up? Take your cross and follow me. See, the message of Christmas to the world, as they like to give it in their own lingo, it's all peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Okay, that's part of the story, yes. Jesus came to bring light into the world. He came to bring salvation to mankind. He came to bring a lot of things. But in getting those things, there's something that we give on our part, ourselves, our souls, our bodies, to be a living sacrifice unto him. The world doesn't want to hear that part of the message. They don't want to hear about the cross or the resurrection. What the world wants to hear is the happy little child born in Bethlehem that makes everybody happy again, and life goes on. We have our little Christmas miracles we'll see on TV, lots of them. We see a lot of those every year. The, the, the shows keep coming out and keep coming out. And the message always is heart-rendering when you think about it. It's always the poor little child that doesn't have anything and somehow the greedy person sees the light and gives the family what they need. And these are all great stories to share. They're all very true. But one of the things that still stands out to me is that babe that was born in Bethlehem, and that's a, a why he was born there. There's so much about that you, that I, we could get into some other day and we will. That babe was born to die. He was born to die to overcome death and the grave, and that is the grand crescendo. Actually, it's the crescendo, but not the finale. The crescendo is the opening of that grave and him stepping out on Jerusalem. The grand finale is when he comes again to claim his own. For me, for the first time in a number of years, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. For, for personal reasons and things that I've gone through, this will be the first time I've actually bothered to celebrate Christmas, put lights up, decorations, or anything in three years. First time in three years. And there have been times in the past that 12 years ago I didn't either. But this year is beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Not because I'm celebrating just the birth of a babe in Bethlehem. I'm remembering that God gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if we look at Advent 
as part of a great symphony of what is the church and our faith, we are still in the overture. We are waiting for that first act to begin. And then we are waiting for that crescendo and then the grand finale when every eye shall see him and every tongue shall confess him, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the author of our peace. He is the author of our salvation. He came once humbly. He will come again in glory. And I pray for each and every one of us here that we are not just ready to receive a babe in Bethlehem, but to receive our soon coming King. It is true that we need many a watchman on the wall to let people know about what is occurring in the world around them. 
For those that don't know the gospel, it should be words of warning, even words of dread. And for those of us that know Christ as our Savior, they should actually be ready for this, ready for this concept. They should be words of encouragement. Because see, the bridegroom is at hand. He's almost, he's on his way to redeem his children. We, we lose sight of, of what it's all about. The world celebrates kind of a holiday season. You know, the, the Christmas season to some, mostly just it's the holiday season. And it's all the good time feelings, the Hallmark movies and all that go with it. And yet, there's a lot of bad news in the world. And sure, on a program like this, we share some of that news. But I think what we need more of is that balance for the encouragement that we are overcomers of this world. We're not, we're in this world, not of it. For those of you that don't get it, St. Paul said, come out from among them and do not touch the unclean thing. We're just not, we're trying to stay in, we're, we're trying to think that this world is our eternal home and it is not. My late grandfather, when he was well pushing into his 90s, used to sit down at his family piano and play this old hymn, I'm but a stranger here, heaven is my home. He believed that, he understood it. He never worried about the hard or bad times to come. He'd lived through the Depression. They'd seen a lot of things. They saw World War II, World War I. And, and we are so spoiled in this world. And as I said, many Christians are addicted to bad news. Just bad, sad news. Dirty laundry, as I said, as that song went. You want to hear all the bad stuff. Sure, there's plenty of it out there. And when I share those stories, it's not to put fear into you if you know Christ. It's to let you that do not know there's some hard times ahead. What's your plan? What are you going to do? How are you going to deal with this? That's what this program, Truth to Ponder, is all about. I really enjoyed my time this past week with Edward Zoll and Lauren Witzke. I hope to, you'll, you'll hear more of them on this program. There's a lot going on in the background because, listen, we as ministries, we're not in competition. We're here to complement each other. We are part of the body of Christ and each part has its specific purpose. My little ministry is primarily shortwave radio and podcast though I can help people in other aspects of their ministry. There's a lot of opportunity. And I believe, and I'm going to share a lot of good news next week. We're going to get away from some of the bad news. And behind a lot of these terrible, scary headlines, like the Omicron virus or the Decepticon, or whatever you want to call it, moronic virus, there's actually some good news hidden in there that the mainstream media is trying to ignore. And we're going to show you how God is... I think opening up this wonderful window of opportunity if we're smart enough to take advantage. If you believe in this work that I'm doing and trying to help others to do, you can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio Mail to Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, number 3248. Crestview, Florida, 32536. That's Crestview, Florida, 32536. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, 
and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.